if you can't trust that digital identity, then you can't make those yes or no access decisions or the MFA decisions because you just don't know who you're dealing with on the other end of it. So it's not just important, but critical to any good security program is a good digital identity. Hi, I'm Marianne Bohr with HIMSS. Today I'm joined by Wes Wright, Chief Technology Officer at Improvada. Today I'll be talking about why you need to avoid fragmented digital identity solutions. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Improvada for sponsoring this podcast. Thanks for joining us today, Wes. Oh, my pleasure, Marianne. Thanks for having me. Now, what is digital identity and what are some examples of the unique identifiers that make up digital identity? As you might imagine, I've been asked that question uh, quite a few times. <laughs> um, I hearken back to my old uh, English days in elementary school where we, we started to, you know, they told us, this is how you develop a story. You have to have the who, what, where, when, and why, or who, what, where, when, and sometimes why in development of a story for English. Well, that's what digital identity is. It's it's the who, what, where, when, and sometimes the why. That's what digital identity is. It's it's who who you are represented by a whole bunch of who, what, where, whens, and sometimes whys uh, in in the in the digital sphere. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, there are a lot of security strategies out there. So, why is a digital identity strategy most important for healthcare? You know, it's not just healthcare. I mean, that's where uh, Improvada is at, but right now. Uh, but it's for everywhere. Uh, digital identity, we at Improvada, we call it, the, we say it's the control plane. It's how you control everything that happens within your resource domain, be it in the cloud or on-prem. Um, the only way that you can tell who's interacting with those resources is through a good digital identity strategy. And the only way that you can stop those nefarious interactions is also through a good digital identity strategy. I mean, we, we talk about zero trust, uh, zero trust network architecture, zero trust architecture. You know, zero trust is all about uh, digital identity. If you can't trust that digital identity, then you can't make those yes or no access decisions or the MFA decisions because you just don't know who you're dealing with on the other end of it. So it's not just important, but critical to any good security program is a good digital identity strategy. I see. So can you maybe explain what is a fragmented digital identity and what makes it dangerous? I've been in the in the health IT game for about 25, almost 30 years now. Uh, and where we're at right now with digital identity, and that's this really fragmented uh, ecosystem, it, it feels a lot like where we were 25 years ago, 20 years ago with the electronic health record. Uh, way back then, uh, we didn't have the big uh, everything to everybody, uh, EHRs like the Cerners and Epics and Meditechs and those kind of things. Instead, we had little apps that we had to stitch together to make it feel like it was a single health record. And uh, fortunately, along came Epic and Cerner and they became the everything to everybody. I think we're in that spot right now with digital identity. You know, we, we have a digital identity framework that has 31 capabilities that we think are pretty cr uh, critical to your digital identity strategy. And I tell you right now, you could buy 31 different products uh, to fulfill those 31 capabilities. But, uh, you know, as we learn through the EHR, that may be maybe not the best way to go on this. And that's what we're doing at Improvada is bringing all these capabilities together under one roof so that we can become, and excuse the analogy, we can become the epic uh, of digital identity for uh, our healthcare providers out there. We don't want them to have to 
stitch together those 31 capabilities and make it feel like a digital identity strategy. Instead, we want to do that for them uh, at the warehouse before it shows up on their docks. Well, you've touched on this a little bit already, but what makes healthcare's digital environment so complex? First off the top of my head, it's the amount of applications. Health IT has been guilty of, and I think we're doing a ton better job at this now, but we've been guilty of, yep, sure, we can bring that app on for the cardiovascular surgeon to use, and we can bring this system on for the radiologist, and we can bring this one on for OB, and we can bring this one on for somebody else. And as we started to consolidate things, again, back to the epic conversation where everything to everybody, well, those systems never went away. They were just additive. The everything to everybody system was just additive to the systems that you're already running. So the biggest security threat out there for me from a health IT perspective, and the easiest way to reduce it is uh, to do some application rationalization. That's where the major threats come from, because each one of those applications has an administrator. Each one of those applications may or may not have accounts that aren't even uh, associated with your Active Directory or your provisioning system. So there's a huge danger in that. So if health IT were to do one thing and start it today, I, I would recommend let's do some application rationalization. I see. So I guess in your healthcare experience, you've probably seen some instances of poor dandy management. So could you give us some examples of that? I'm, uh, I can, I, without naming names, <laughs> <laughs> The typical thing that, that gets us engaged a, a lot of times is uh, this person, and so oftentimes it's a C-level person, uh, we hired onto, into the organization and they weren't active and working for you know, two weeks because we couldn't get them provisioned. That's something you have to look for in your identity governance service line is how long is it taking you to provision? It should be when they hit the door, they get a badge and they're assigned access to these applications uh, based upon their role. That's the way it should be. And whenever it's it's not like that, that's bad digital identity management. And, you know, say that's a cardiovascular surgeon or something, not that that would ever happen to a cardiovascular surgeon, but hey, that's two weeks of uh, her or him, you know, not not bringing in a million dollars a week for the facility. So there there's some some real repercussions uh, financial repercussions to not having a great digital identity strategy. So that that's from a provisioning, deprovisioning perspective. You know, the, the one thing that no matter where I've been that has just really delighted our clinicians, whenever we can give them technology that makes technology uh, more transparent to them. So uh, from a digital identity perspective, uh, if you're not running a single sign-on, uh, some kind of single sign-on uh, and tap to and out of uh, your EHRs and applications, then you're doing your clinicians a disservice. Uh, we've, you know, we've got uh, peer review studies that shows uh, that that can save clinicians up to 45 minutes per day per shift. Um, so if you're not doing some kind of single sign-on access management, uh, identity governance, then you're not doing your your customers, your users, uh, the service that you should be giving, uh, should be doing them as their HIT leader. Right. So you mentioned um, provisioning uh, issue. How would you have resolved that issue? Actually, it's kind of a real life issue. Um, and the way that uh, it got resolved or is getting resolved uh, is through installation of Improvada's identity governance system. And that's mm. That's uh, that's a system that takes feeds from other source systems like your HR system or your credentialing system uh, or your uh, nurse or physician training you know systems takes all that stuff 
into this big, I like to think of it, into this big funnel at the top, mixes and matches it all together and says, based on these demographics, here's the role that we're going to assign you. And that role gets these applications. That's the, the critical piece to, uh, to the provisioning. It's the, it's the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. But, but that's what we did, made sure that uh, we didn't get any garbage coming in and uh, got the ro- right uh, roles uh, figured on the uh, other end. So now it is a, okay, as soon as HR puts their stuff in, as soon as this data gets all developed, uh, uh, delivered to the system, then the system gets them uh, provisioned. So, you know, you go from two, three weeks to two to three minutes and you're a hero. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Wes, what are some of the risks of a poorly secured digital identities? You know, it's the same cyber risk that you see out there uh, in anything. From a digital identity perspective, there's really two two primary types of digital identities. There's the normal ones, uh, which we pretty much everybody has. And then there's the privileged IDs or privileged accounts. And those take a whole a whole nother level of security because if one of those uh, if one of those uh, accounts gets compromised, then they have uh, privilege uh, access to to some systems. That is, if I if I were back in the field, you know, that's that's my number one thing is to to protect my and I'm using air quotes my God accounts using mm-hmm. a privilege access management system which we at Improvata think is part and parcel to the digital identity strategy. And that's why we uh, brought on board a a privilege access management company uh, probably about a year, year and a half ago. And they're (laughs) with the cyber insurance uh, uh, requirements now uh, is doing pretty well. Uh, Easy to install uh, agentless system. So we think we've got one of the best out there and one one of the least expensive too. Terrific. Now, how should healthcare organizations secure digital identities, which solutions are most important for that, and mm-hmm. which ones do you implement first and why? Yeah, I get this question more than a few times. To me, fundamentally, the that provisioning, deprovisioning system has to be in place. There are, for us, it's Improvada Identity Governance. There's some other ones out there, Savvy and SailPoint, uh, Identity Automate. There's some more out there. But ours is Improvada Identity Governance. And to me, if I had a greenfield opportunity, uh, out there that I was just, hey, we built this hospital and we're going to get our staff in today. Uh, well, then I would start with that system, uh, improvise identity governance, and then do my uh, uh, one sign, my single sign-on system, and then do my multi-factor authentication if I couldn't do them serially. And I get a, get some arguments around that. They, oh, first you got to do MFA no matter what. Yeah, maybe. But if I can do my single sign-on stuff, Right, and this is Improvada's badge, uh, badge tap, tap and go, uh, one sign product that I'm talking about. If I can do that right, uh, then I can give my clinical and business partners card and a pen, and all they have to do is is tap their badge, uh, that card, tap their tap their badge, and put their pen in, and they never know what their password to any of these systems are, and I can make them 16, 18 characters, uh, and they never know, and it never bothers them. Uh, so that that gives me a really good security posture from a, a, pa- a password uh, policy perspective. Uh, and uh, from a user perspective, they can't get fished because they don't know their passwords. So you get a you get a double bang for for installing uh, single sign on uh, at this point. And, and then, of course, you want to uh, go with your multi-factor authentication, then privilege access management. That's the that's what I kind of call the the core four of digital identity. Those those capabilities are, are minimal, I think, uh, for you to have a good digital identity program in place. 
Okay, that makes sense. Now, what do you think are the biggest cybersecurity vulnerabilities that are facing healthcare today? You know, I'm not going to disagree with all the uh, CISOs out there who have, <laughs> like 95% <laughs> have said, uh, it's the end user that's the biggest vulnerability uh, to mm-hmm. your security posture. So I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with that, but... I think instead of uh, pointing a finger at the end user, we we as security vendors need to be able to make doing the right thing the easy thing uh, for those uh, users that that are at the end of the chain that we're so uh, scared of. Security does not have to equal difficulty. With the right digital identity products in place, you actually become more secure and more efficient. And that's that's what's so cool about the whole digital identity space is that there's still a bunch of time out there that we can still recover from that digital identity process that that makes it pretty exciting to be in this field, uh, frankly. Okay, well, how do you think that organizations should build out their digital identity strategy? So I gave you the Greenfield example. We never, nobody gets to do that. But hey, if if, (laughs) if I had my druthers, I'd rather do it that way. But instead, you usually walk into a system that's fully functioning you know, they've got their EHR and all their applications running. So you have to take a look at what's going on uh, from a digital identity perspective and see where you can help. And unlike the Greenfield, uh, I would probably start uh, with single sign-on and, and I guess they call it Brownfield in a Brownfield situation. I still get the two benefits that I told you about earlier. Two reasons I want to deploy one sign first. One, I want to give value to those clinicians as fast as I can. I know that I can get 45 minutes per shift back to them so that maybe they can go home early or go home on time. Who needs early? Go home on time. <laughs> I want to get that deployed as fast as possible. Get my, for lack of a better term, my win. Uh, on that one and gain some trust with my clinicians so that as I move laterally from the single sign-on to build my digital identity strategy, I've got that trust. I just gave them back 45 minutes a day. Um, They get to go home hopefully on time. So they're they're liking what IT is doing. So that's one reason I install single sign-on first. Second reason is depending on how I set up my single sign-on, I can actually, uh, as the staff is using their badges to get into applications, uh, you'll be able to point out to me, you know, these six people are ICU nurses. And I go, okay, well, let me see what those six people have been logging into via Improvata's uh, one sign. And hey, here's the applications they all logged into. So let's make that the ICU nurse uh, role. And uh, whoever's an ICU nurse, based on these uh, demographics, they get these applications, ac- access to these applications right the, the very first day that they get here. That's why I put one sign in first so that I can use that one sign data uh, for both identity governance. And as I build my multi-factor authentication uh, access program, I can use that one sign data as, uh, as well. My mobile program, I can use that one sign data as well. So uh, in that brownfield environment, I, I definitely go one sign if you don't have it, but about 80% of the 250 bed uh, or more acute hospitals in uh, North America have us already. But if you don't, that's definitely where I'd start in your digital identity journey. Sounds like a pretty strong foundation. Yes. Now, when it comes to managing digital identities for organizations, do you recommend that organizations go to a single source vendor or multiple vendors? Yeah, well, this is an easy one. Softball hit it out of the park, um, but actually, <laughs> actually, it's not. It's not just me that says uh, this. The HISAC 
when we were building our digital identity framework, the HISAC uh, released a framework for CISOs to manage identity. And we used a lot of their uh, uh, stuff out of that for our digital identity framework. But they released a couple of white papers with that as well. And one of the uh, recommendations, the second one, or actually the first one, says use a unified system for your identity and access management needs. And the problem with that, though, is you know, reference the beginning of our conversation. I still think we're you know 25 years ago on the EHR. So there's really nobody building that consolidated platform. Uh, uh, but at Improvata, we get uh, we're we're uh, we're not only close. Class just released a, a document uh, a report two weeks, three weeks ago. It said Improvata is the only uh, uh, unified platform out there for digital identity and compliance management. So I'll use a different one. We're trying to be the Cerner. Uh, of digital of digital identity to put all those those capabilities together so that so that our end users don't have to. Wow. Well, Wes, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your insights. And special thanks to Improvada for sponsoring this podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you, Marianne. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Mm-hmm.